Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farm's Advice and let's get into this episode. Ever looked into doing your own boxed meat and wondering how it could be done, whether you want to sell one beast each week, each month, um, and how you can incorporate your community, you'll be able to find out in this very much needed episode and one I've been keen to get onto the Funswise podcast uh, with our cow and their journey coming from one beast a week and then covering over 150 farmers right across Australia to create one of the most exclusive clubs in Australian agriculture, taking the consumers right to the pack. Let's get into this episode. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast, Bianca and David from Our Cow. Great to have you in the virtual studio. How's everything going with you? Good, thanks, Jack. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. No, thank you for coming on. A very special story and one I've always been looking forward to. And thanks for Robbo for sort of joining the dots on this one. Um, but let's go back a little bit and see where your connection to agriculture is. Where did it all start for you guys? You. Um, yeah, I grew up on a dairy and banana farm in the Gold Coast inland. Um, my family were like fifth generation dairy and banana farmers there and then uh, sold that property up and moved into central Queensland into beef property. And then, um, yeah, just sort of love farming. I started when I was out there, I got a job in the coal mine out that way and then ended up being a machine operator. Sort of drifted away from farming a bit but always wanted to get back onto the farm so that's sort of my background in farming yeah i don't come from a farming background at all i come from the city so i grew up in um, cairns and it wasn't until i actually met dave um that we decided that we wanted to buy our own farm so there was no like succession farm or anything like that dave when dave and i 
went out on our own to purchase our farm together and that was sort of the first little bit of agriculture that I've had was you know as the story goes you fall in love with a cowboy and end up on a farm and that's where we're at. How did that go initially? Like even just looking for a farm isn't the easiest, like wherever you want it, your price range and stuff. How did you go about that and making that decision, that leap to get into farming? Yeah, it was a horrendous exercise, I guess. We looked for farms pretty much from along the whole East Coast and Eastern Seaboard were, you know, I think we looked at property for about two and a half years before we actually bought our first farm. And we have to, you know, most people know that it's a sort of 40% 40 deposit to get onto the land. It's so hard for young people to, you know, be able to buy their first block of land, anything over that 125 acres. So, you know, we saved our ass off. We ate Vegemite on toast for a long time. Um, you know, we just tried to save as much money as we could. Um, and then by the time we finally got on to, you know, got the, we had a lot of places that um, got knocked back on um and that we you know the bank wouldn't lend us the money for so it's difficult and you know we were, we were really optimistic about it that we were going to find our perfect place one day and we found a little place that by usual it's about uh sort of an hour sort of southeast of Tennisfield on the French river um and we bought 2,000 acres in there and uh we could sort of run run a few cows and, and hopefully pay for itself so that's how, how we got onto our first little farm like it was um you know me coming from the city thinking that we're moving to a lovely farm and whatever else and we ended up we moved into a shed so we had no power no running water um it was very basic for a long time um you know dave used to hold a hose for me to wash my hair and you know all sorts of stuff like that so we, you know we, we lived very humbly for a very long time and we still do now we still live in the same shed um, we do have power and we do have hot water, but yeah, it wasn't, it was, you know, it certainly wasn't the Ritz when we moved in. It wasn't a big homestead. No. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's probably the same sort of very similar to others out there looking for their own sort of farm, young, young guns trying to get into farming. Um, what would you sort of say would be that leap that you'd give to other young farmers just to get out there and do it? Um, not to go debt to, three years or whatever, but just to get out there and what's on the other side, um, that sort of freedom, I suppose. Not freedom. We know it's a big sort of business. You need to operate it like a business as well. But what would that be? Yeah, I think just um, having belief in yourself and and that mindset that you are going to get there one day, just keep believing in what you're doing and, um, you know, have that long-term plan to get there. Just don't give up, I guess. So, you know, it took us a long time to get onto our first place and, it's not an easy thing, you know, just stay in that farming game and learn as much as you can so that when you do get into, onto a place of your own, you know, you, you already know how to trade cattle or, or, you know, grow lands out or grow a crop or something like that. You can just, you know, you can hit the ground running in the business sense and you can, um, the, the defining the farm will be the hardest part, but if you get everything else right, I think it'll be, it'll put you in a, in a really good frame to get onto that place. Yeah, I suppose you've dealt a lot with like improving your own sort of mindset, developing our care and how that all sort of works. Tell us, tell us about our care. How did it all come about and what was the sort of pivoting point from going from farmers to our care founders, I suppose? 
Yeah, well, it sort of started after, you know, we'd been through a, a series of bushfires on our farm. So we bought the yep. farm in 2017. We were hit by three bushfires consecutively, three years in a row. And then we came into the horrific drought that everybody um, experienced, you know, throughout 2019 and 2020. Um, and we it got just got to the point where we really needed to do something different. We'd, we'd obviously gone out on quite a massive limb to buy the farm to start with, and then we went into debt for, for livestock. So we were buying cows at, you know, fairly high prices when the prices were good, and then come the drought, you know, we, we were sort of forced to sell them for, for bugger all, really, and we still had a really big debt over our head for those, those cattle. And it just got to the point where we really needed to do something different. We needed to secure ourselves a price for our livestock so that we could continue to farm. Otherwise, we were, you know, we probably wouldn't still be on the farm, you know, if we if we were kept going down the road that we were going producing wieners for a price that we didn't didn't you know couldn't guarantee. And I guess I couldn't understand it either. Not coming from a farming background, that you had no idea what you were going to get for your livestock. You'd put 12, 18 months of hard work into something and not really know where you're going to come out. You're just kind of hoping that the price will be up on the day. So, um, yeah, we, we sort of thought, how can we make the most out of our little block that we had? You know, we did, we weren't in a position to be able to go and buy another couple of thousand acres and put more cows around us. We couldn't financially do that. So we wanted to make the most out of the block that we had and the income that we could produce and secure ourselves a price for that for those livestock. So the idea came about that um, we would start selling some of our own meat. We knew that meat prices don't fluctuate anywhere near as much as the sale yard prices do. So that's sort of where we um, where where the idea came about for selling meat. Uh, we, we started the Facebook page advertising our own meat for sale and it's just continued to grow from there. Beautiful. And how'd the name come about? Would you, would you just sell it as, would you like some of our cow? <laughs> yeah, we were actually um, sitting in a conference in Roma. At the YBP, yeah, yeah. in Roma. And, um... We were listening to one of the directors of the of the MLA speak about like the future of meat and, you know, the future of meat is padding to plate and people want to know where their food comes from and blah, blah, blah. So at that time it, it was just beef, but we were just selling beef. So, and ours was because it was, you know, it wasn't mine, it wasn't yours, it was ours. So it was just our cow. And I guess now we, um, you know, people talk about it all the time. Do we go through a rebrand because we offer so many other products other than just beef now? But you know, the name is really stuck, and I, I think, yeah, it is, it is what it is. It's our cow. It's a pretty inclusive name as well, like garnering the community that you have so far and making them a part of that sort of journey of sustainable meats for the future. Um, our cow. I think, like, are you going to bring out our sheep? Or is it going to be, you're just going to play our cow right the way through? Yeah, I think we'll just run with our cow. Like most of our customers know now that we we sell everything. We sell all protein types and we'll continue to expand. Yeah, I think it's a cracking name and how it works for your brand. And I don't know, there's a fair few hats that you have to wear in that. Putting on a branding hat, back to the farmer's hat and building like a farmpreneur hat as well. For our cow, how's it work for farmers? I I see in the media that you're working with a fair few farmers now, obviously with the different meats and the variety and diversity of meats that you're offering. And are you also still selling your own meat through our cow? Yeah, we still produce our own um, cows for our cow as well. Yep. You know, we're only a drop in the ocean of what the volume that we put through now is. We work with about 150 different farmers across New South Wales, Queensland and, and Victoria. Um, so, you know, we process 
or grass-fed, grass-finished beef, grass-fed lamb, uh, free-range pork and organic chicken as well. Yeah. Uh, just about to launch into some wild-caught seafood as well. So we're working with some fishermen that are in the exact same position what we were, um, you know, all those few years ago. We're experiencing uh, just, just being dictated to by wholesalers about markets and things like that. And we want to be able to take that um that experience that we've we've learned through setting up our cow and be able to help those wild caught fishermen do the exact same thing as, as you know what we're doing now so beautiful so when has the fisheries become involved in that just to add that extra element into it uh hasn't hasn't as of yet but yeah. uh yeah it's coming very soon beautiful so how's the actual whole process work of getting all the livestock together um, to process them? Is it all processed through the one works? No, we process at a number of different uh, abattoirs uh, up and down the East Coast. And then basically it's a consignment direct to our cow. Um, we really want to promote uh, the good things that are happening in agriculture. So, you know, farmers that are looking after their animals, looking after their country, the grass-fed, the environmental benefits of that grass-fed and, and um you know, the animal welfare side of things. So we do pay uh, really good money to our farmers. We're above market rates for consignment direct to us. And, um, you know, then they consign to us, we process, and then we market their products to our customers, I guess. So that's basically how it works. So across those 150 farmers, I was, I thought it was like around 15 different farms. So you've grown pretty quickly over the last few years. For those farmers, how does it work for them and are they, yeah, how does it work for them? Just teach us through that and what sort of, what's the percentage breakup of what meats come through yours, ours, I suppose? Uh, yeah, so basically if farmers have got uh, livestock, so grass-fed steers and yep. heifers, you know, we have a grid that we send out to our farmers uh, each, each month and then it's basically... Um, the weight ranges that we're chasing, we do process mainly just milk fed, uh, milk foods and two two vealers. So, um, you know, up to that 200 to 240 kilo dress weight animal, um, and mainly a British bread type animal as well for, for cattle. Our lambs that we process are sort of around that 20 to 28 kilos, uh, dress weight, um, you know, and, and the meat sheep breeds as well. So, uh, a lot of Aussie white we process, Wilty Pole, Dorpa, um, and then, you know, obviously our free range pigs. We work with a lot of free range pig suppliers and then, um, organic chicken as well. So it's a lot to take on and, um, the volumes that we put through now to challenge each week with the, with the logistics. But, you know, farmers basically, book in with us we you have to be approved farmers of our cow first and then we um you know we start that relationship but we're looking for longer term relationships with our farmers so you know the to take that market fluctuation out for those guys as well because we experienced it and we want to you know we knew that so many other farmers were experiencing market fluctuations you know the job's been pretty high for the last probably 12 months 18 months but um, you know, a few whispers about FMD and things like that and the art falls out of it, you know. So we want to take those fluctuations away from the market a little bit. We still have to be competitive in, yeah, yeah. in what we're selling meat uh, to a customer. But we want to be able to try and uh, help farmers have some stability in, in their businesses, I guess. So. Yeah, I think it just goes to add that predictability in a farm 
Um, not always is it predictable, but if you have that dollar value that is quite predictable, you can work that off your in 12 months and then also sort of forecast that going off the back of that um, without those huge fluctuations, these highs and lows that farmers have to deal with. But what I'm pretty keen to talk about is sharing your values, have some pretty good values with our cow and how are you actually getting to share these with 150 farmers or were they already sharing it and that's how they became an approved partner with our cow? Yeah, mate, we, you know, we probably have 15 or 20 farmers a day that contact us across Australia that are basically looking to get a part, like to be a part of it. Yep. Um, I don't know how it's come about, but we just seem to um, attract people that believe in what we're, what we're trying to do and have a set up a different market, I yep. guess, for farmers and, um, you know, people that are aligned with our values uh, are, are attracted to what we're trying to achieve. So, it's pretty phenomenal when you think about it, trying to access these farmers. It's not always the easiest, but now that you've got some farmers coming inbound is pretty a testament to what your work is, your values and what that is for the markets as well. But what do you think your core values are as our cow? What and like where do you want this to go well into the future? Yeah, well, I guess our core values are integrity accountability and excellence and yep. that that you know they're our personal values that we've put within our business our employees and our farmers yep. so you know everybody that we work with really aligns with those values we want to be the best in our field so we want to produce the very best livestock the very best grass-fed product you know that comes from our the very best ever everywhere from customer yeah, service to packaging, to delivery, to farming, you know, that that's who we want to be known for. And our farmers align with those three values. And if it's if you know if they don't, then they're probably not the right fit for us. And we're really picky with who we work with. Like Dave said, we do have a lot of farmers that contact us, but um we want the best. And that's what we that's what we expect from our farmers. Yeah, and that comes down to us getting customers coming back to um to purchase from us as well. You know, if we're sourcing the wrong type of livestock or you know, we want the best genetics, like, oh, I'm, the, you know, everything is, is going the right way so that we get customers come back to us and we keep coming back to our farmers. And so it's a good story that our customers are, you know, really excited to, to promote and to, um, you know, to pay for as well. Like, the, it's a story that we can tell that they're doing good things in the agricultural industry. They're looking after their animals, their environment, their, and, you know, their future planning. Like, our customers really want to know that. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of data or are you collecting data from the farmers just to see the improvements or the quality score of the meats coming through? More so before the animals are processed as well? Yeah, so we, we work with a lot of farmers that, um, you know, basically they're breeders and finishers of their own cattle. They're working on genetics. You know, like a lot of our farmers are importing good, really good quality genetics from um, Canada and things like that as well. They're chasing that high marbling in their meat. Um, you know, but that, they are they're the type of people that you know you've only got to talk to them. And I guess coming from a farming background, you can see that you know I've I've learned so much in farming just being around these other farmers that are the top of the tree. I guess you know they're doing it's a, it's been the best apprenticeship for me really to go around and visit some of our our top farmers and see what they're doing so I can implement it on my own farm. Work with the MSA side of things as well, so we're we're um tracking all of that, yep. and we sit far above the 
national standard of what MSA quality is. So our cow is, you know, substantially higher than what the average MSA quality rating is. Yeah. So with more farmers looking to go direct to market, taking their meats from paddock to plate, are all the farmers signed up to the exclusive meat eaters club? Oh. Uh, uh... It's, it's a little bit hard. We deliver into a lot of um, metropolitan areas, but, um, you know, with getting uh, getting a box of meat out to some regional areas, it's difficult. Um, but, yeah, we're looking to try and get some more meat out to some of our farmers because they we always get contacted by them guys wanting to eat good quality stuff as well. So along your journey, the pivoting point of being farmers, looking in the face of debt um, and then maybe looking for opportunities on the other side of that. I think drought's always a great time to be looking for new opportunities um, when people are probably fearing the market. How did that work for you in in that special time? And what was that sort of barrier and what sort of support did you have to get across to actually start Our Cow? Because it's not the easiest to just take action. I think everyone's got all these ideas that they would love to do it. I'd imagine there's a fair few farmers out there saying, oh, I was going to be, I would have done our cow, but they just didn't get across that line. What was it for you that helped you get across that line? I'll just touch on that. But I think coming back to the first thing that you said, Jack, yep. was it's an opportunity. Like everything, there's a lot of fluctuations that happen in farming and, you know, weather or, or market fluctuations or whatever. But it's, instead of seeing it as a problem, um, you can always see something as an opportunity. You know, we face hundreds of problems a day now in our business, but the, they're opportunities, mate. They're opportunities to improve and, and to change the way that you're doing things. Like nothing is ever set in stone, I think. And you, if you're not, if you're afraid to, to um, take those opportunities and make a change, well, you're never sort of going to really move and, and, and start putting some action into place. I would say um, one thing I know we probably pride ourselves on something probably think we're a bit crazy but we just do stuff like we're paralysis by analysis i think is yeah. you know something that when we're definitely not scared of like we at the start we didn't overanalyze anything we just started yeah. we didn't know where to start we didn't have a butcher shop we didn't know a butcher we didn't have a way to deliver it we didn't know how we were going to sell it we just started mm. we, just, we literally just put a post on facebook and just put the, our first foot forward and then the next one it was just we we learned as we went we didn't have a plan on how we were going to do anything we just knew that's what we wanted to do and the rest we just figured it out as we went and you know we still very much do that today like we haven't run a, a business like what we've run what we're running at the moment but we're we're learning every day and we just keep moving forward we're never just um we never over analyze and just be, and just stop like we just continue to move continue to grow continue to learn and just just do it. The old story is done is better than perfect, I guess. So if you get something done and it's not perfect, you can always fix that minor little detail, but at least it's done and then you move on to the next thing to start doing that. So, you know, done is better than perfect, I think is the old saying. Yeah, I think a lot of farmers dwell on that, making the decision 100% perfect. Obama had a quote, if his decisions were 51% um ready to go, I suppose. Um, he, he was happy with that sort of level of expectancy of what was going to sort of happen from that. Um, but also the way that you approached it probably tested the market initially just to see if there was capability there, room for expansion as well, or even just to see 
how you could go with your own with your own cattle with your own meat as well yeah like we just started with the with the envision of selling one body of beef like that's all we wanted to sell we had one body ready and that was it you know our first delivery we sold six we didn't have six bodies like we you know straight away we were already going okay well this is more than what we expected and it's just continued to grow from there so we never you know i've heard people say well you need to have ten thousand head to start well no one has that you know you just start with one and you grow yeah so talk to me a little bit about the model of how it works with the exclusive meters meat eaters club that's what it's called isn't it correct me if i'm wrong yeah exclusive eaters club yep so you're sending it into metropolitan areas on subscription um, each month. What what are we getting for that? Do we get to choose our meats and how does that work? Yeah, it's just like going to a butcher shop. You just yep. do it from the lounge, basically. So you jump on our website. We've got our whole range of products there, beef, pork, lamb, chicken, um, small goods. We've just started doing our own spices and rubs and things like that. So you just you go shopping, choose whatever you want, whatever volume you want. If you just want a packet of sausages and a, a bit of T-bone steak, you can have that. If you want to order, you know, three hundred dollars worth, you can do that. It's completely flexible. Um, we have free delivery for orders over one hundred ninety nine dollars, and it gets delivered to your door in a beautiful refrigerated box. Everything's cryovacked. It's all portion cut. So you know, it really. I think people have a real misconception when they buy from a farmer, they go to buy half a cow and it's all going to come in freezer bags and full of blood. Like this is, it's really, it's a spectacular experience when it turns up for your front door, this beautiful packaged product. So people can order as much or as little as they want. And it really suits people that live in those city and metro areas that do only have a little fridge freezer. Like a lot of your listeners and us, you know, we have big chest freezers at home that's always full of meat, but people that live in downtown Sydney don't have that luxury. So, you know, they're just buying as they need it or on our, you know, on our subscription cycle. So every two, four or six weeks, a box of meat turns up to their door. It really takes away the need for them having to, you know, shop at a butcher shop or shop at a supermarket. People in those areas are busy, they're time poor, so it just suits their lifestyle. Absolutely. And they know sort of what they're getting as well on that two, four or six week. It's quite good timings, actually. Fortnightly would be a good one. Yeah, they basically choose it. They choose whatever they want. And if they want to change it from week to week, they can. Like, it's fully flexible. If they don't want sausages this week and they want steak next week, they can. it's all in the balls in their court. It's fully flexible and convenient for the customer. 100%. And what do you think the sort of biggest challenge or the biggest hat that you sort of had to wear in this journey of our cow and getting it to where it is today? Um, I think when you when you are small, it's a lot harder than when you have a reasonable sized business and you can have staff yep. to help you get the job done. Like you know, there was numerous times when Bianca and I worked seventeen hour days packing mints and um, trying to get out orders during COVID. And you know, uh, work she was talking about last night. I remember sitting on a bucket in a little butcher shop that we leave. Uh, on a cryovacker at nine o'clock at night while I was at home fighting a bushfire in our property trying to stop my house burning down. So, you know, like there, there was so many challenges. Like it's never, I think the only thing we haven't gone through yet is a um, locust plague. We've got the mice plague, blood fires, drought, you know, like most things are a challenge, but it just makes you resilient, mate. And, um, you know, you, you, yeah, you just, you just keep pushing forward, I guess. And just seeing what those challenges come through and I think by the looks of it, you've dealt with them all quite well with the resilience of our cow and actually providing that onwards further afield to the other 150 farmers 
Um, are you still expanding throughout that though, and you're always looking for quality meat providers on the back end? Yeah, for sure. Like it's just the chicken or the egg now, basically. The more farm, uh, more customers we yep. take on, the more farmers we can help, and we really want this to be, you know, it's bigger than us now. I guess it was always going to be bigger than us. We wanted it to be, um, you know, like a, a bit of a game changer in the livestock industry, so that we could offer farmers another market to sell their livestock to. We just didn't, you know, we knew what it was like to get crippled by um, the prices or the market fluctuations, and we want to take that out of it to an extent for some farmers to be able to have some stability. So, you know, it's always, we're always looking for more farmers to come on board and, and come on the journey with us to align with our value. I think one of the best thing as a farmer is we send all our livestock, well, not all of it or whatever, through the markets and we never actually see the end product. It may go overseas or it may be eaten domestically, but just to actually have that the feel of the, that product, um, especially coming from livestock background, having to see where your product ends up and the work that you get, you put into each animal um, to get it to where it is, your genetic base as well. Um, it's pretty phenomenal to have that product in hand as a farmer um, coming from that. Cropping is a little bit different because you actually can, if you very added in cropping as well, it's a little bit easy. You don't have to process it as much. Um, we don't have all the blood to get rid of it, everything like that. How important do you think that is for, your farmers to see the great product on the other end? I'd say it'd be, it, it is so humbling for our farmers to be able to see where their product ends up. Exactly like you said, it's not very often as a farmer that you get to know where your livestock ends up, but literally every piece of meat that leaves us that gets delivered to someone's door has got that farmer's name on it. So if someone can be sitting down in Melbourne and eating a piece of steak that's come from mine and Dave's farm and it has our name on it. So yep. they can go, wow, this, you know, thanks so much, Dave and Bianca. And all of our, the community of customers that we've built, our farmers are part of that community as well. So, you know, we have private Facebook groups where our exclusive eaters club members are posting thousands of posts every night thanking each individual farmer for their dinner. And it's just like, that is just so cool as a farmer to be able to see that there's a family in Sydney or Melbourne or, or Cairns that's actually sitting down and enjoying something that you've produced on your farm and they can trace that back to you. We've had farmers that have said our customers have personally reached out to them, whether it was through um, you know, their Instagram profiles or their, their um, farm websites that they have and just thank them for the produce that they're, that they're able to feed their families. Like it's, it's really rewarding to see that. And, and I think the, the recognition that our farmers get, it's not very often, well, it's, it's never really in the livestock industry. If you send your, cattle to the sale yards, you know, the agents just stand up there and run them, run across the rails. Like you, there's no differentiation as a farmer. You're just another, you know, more, just another cow in, in the pen, I guess. Like there's no real differentiation, but there's these, the pieces of meat that we're selling have actually got people's names on it. And we're going to their farms, they're filming, where they're taking photos. Like we just did a, a TV show with so many of our farmers as well, where they actually they had airtime on national TV where they could tell their story. Like, and that's something that farmers don't get to do. So it's just, it's really powerful for our farmers to be able to tell their story and people in the city to be able to resonate with them. Yeah, and I think coming back to the farmer side of things, you know, we encourage our farmers to come through our boning room, our production facility, look at their animals. You know, we trace every single animal back um, to, you know, specific 
tag numbers and things like that so that they can, you know, if it's a, a breeder that has got certain sires over different cows and they're chasing marbling and things like that, we, we really provide that feedback to our farmers and take a lot of photos of, of the meat quality so that they can improve on their farm and make better decisions with genetics and things like that as well. So It's an amazing story of how, how you can connect those farmers to the customers and the reward at the end of that is unreal. So like that proverb of if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together and having the power of nearly 200 farmers coming together um, is probably proof in the pudding of your expansion, how quickly it's become, but also that story that is sort of selling it for free marketing as well. Um, and just paying off that really is probably your, I know your go-to marketing strategy. How has that worked for you in relying on the back of that? showing what your story is and also the farmers improving the lives of farmers. I think Australia was looking to support the farmers off the back of that drought as well. Um, and that's just sort of continued obviously from the growth of our cow. Yeah, definitely. I think we see it all the time. People, Australian people just want to support other Aussies. Like you see how much money gets donated during the drought and the floods and the bushfires, like people just want to help, but it often feels like the only time or the only way that you can help is by donating to aid. But we've created a platform where people can support farmers directly every day through their food choices and they know exactly that the money and the food that they purchase, the money is going directly into a farming family's pocket. Yep. So they don't have to donate to aid when times get tough. They know that every day they're making a difference just by being selective of where they're purchasing their food from. Great stuff. And so how many exclusive eaters do we have in the club currently? Oh, there's a fair few thousand now, mate. Um, yeah, I won't give the exact number, but there's thousand. And I, I imagine yeah, running, this, tens of running this all through, how does it actually work? Are all the boxes right where you are sitting now? You've got a big cool room? Logistically, uh, quite hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, we have a production facility. Um, you know, we've nearly got 50 staff working for us now. Like there's, um, you know, we have a marketing team, a uh, uh, customer service team. You know, it's not just uh, little old me and Bianca anymore. We have a huge team behind us now that help us make all this stuff happen. But uh, And then we've got all of our farmers as well, mate. So, you know, we have a huge community of people that help this. Uh, chug along every day and it's pretty humbling to think that we have so many people that uh, want to be a part of it and you know help us achieve our mission really yeah it, i'd imagine it'd be one of the biggest communities within agricultural um through that what you've built where where to now for the next five to ten years for our cow and and yourselves you're looking to get on the front foot or you're looking to take a back seat sort of approach to it and to see how it works out Oh, no. we're, we're, we're always pretty front yeah. <laughs> we're, we're young still we got plenty of energy so we've got a fair few uh, years left in us yet to make a big change so you know that's our goal um, just blow this thing up and get as many customers on board as we can so we can help as many farmers as we can really and you're just domestic currently aren't you yeah just domestic is there, is there room for expansion going international with the quality product with that grass-fed image 
um, further afield? Yeah, it has been talked about. Um, at the moment, we're quite comfortable with just how we're sitting domestically, but yeah. Um, yeah, it has been definitely spoken about. Amazing. Well, to be able to have you on the FarmsWise podcast and just to see your story, I think value-adding is a great way for farmers to obviously add more value to their farm and put some predictability into their returns, their revenue back on what they're doing. We seem to bust our ass um, year in, year out, but it's great to see that there's different avenues out there for farmers. But also for value adding, if people were to look at you, like I feel like some farmers say, oh, we can't do that just because they've done it. Um, but there's different markets. There's over 25 million people, 26, 27 or whatever it is in Australia now. Um, but also internationally as well. I think there's so much room for growth within this very ad. They actually put a figure up of estimations for 2030, I think. Um, and that 100 billion target everyone's dying for to get across there. I think value adding is one of the biggest sort of plays a farmer can get into. Whatever, like if it's coming from meat background to grains to horticulture, whatever it may be. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that we've really found with the farmers that we work with is, you know, they just want to farm. They, they're good at farming. They just want to fatten cattle or, you know, fatten lambs. Like that's, that's what they're good at. That's what they want to do. And, you know, they leave the hard stuff up to us. Yeah. So we've just allowed farmers to do what they're good at and do what they do best and we handle the rest. Yeah. That's the music to a farmer's ears, taking all that paperwork away, uh-huh. the processes of it all. Um, and I think it just allows that farmer to work on the best product that, and also it works out better for our cow. They're putting more time into how can I improve this strain in our genetics or whatever, and how can we get that better product on the plates right across Australia as well. Yeah, and I guess that's where our farmers sit. You know, they're not having to worry about the marketing of their product or they're not chasing down what feedlot prices are paying or what, you know, consignments are going to, you know, different avenues They they know what they're going to get before their calves or their lambs or their pigs hit the ground, you know? So that's, um, we really feel uh, pretty, pretty good about that, that our farmers can just concentrate on what they're doing. They don't even look at the markets anymore. They just basically, you know, uh, ring us up when they've got consignments and they're, and they're ready to send. Absolutely. And coming from younger farmers, what would be the one piece of farms advice that you would like to pass on to anyone that you've learned from your journey as a, just as a farmer or anyone looking to very add whatever it may be in Australian agriculture? Did you go first? <laughs> <laughs> um, just never give up really. That's my one, one strategy. Like be prepared to work your ass off, like, you know, learn as much as you can. Yep. But just not, don't give up. Like just you know, there's uh there's always times where you've thought about thinking, oh shit, this is getting pretty hard. Or there's a lot of times where you, you know you think uh, you're in over your head or something like that. But I think not giving up and being able to have a good crack and um, just back yourself, really trying to learn as much as you can and get some good people around you to help you. Absolutely, very valuable and also. Never give up in what sort of environments you are as a farmer as well because off the back of the drought, this is how our cow was born. You were looking for more opportunities as a farmer and especially young farmers looking to get into it. I think we're bringing a pretty refreshed mindset into Australian agriculture and it's really opening up different avenues. 
Yeah, for sure. And I guess I would say um, just sticking to something consistently. I think that's what we found with our cow. Like, and, you know, we see it all the time. Like farmers are a little bit known for chasing the shiny objects. So <laughs> chasing that 20 cents. Yeah, you know, they'll chase an extra dollar or they'll chase an extra, you know, oh, the, the new latest breeds out or something like that. So, you know, they chop and change a fair bit. So I think just sticking in your lane, stick what you know and, and be consistent and produce a consistent quality product is is really valuable as a farmer and in in any business i think what we've really realized is it has that flywheel um approach where you just continue to build and continue to grow on one thing really well so i think just um yeah sticking sticking to what you know and not chasing a shiny object the old rule of thumb is you know if you hold, hold a magnifying glass over something long enough it'll start a fire so Good stuff. I'm loving what our cow is and your sort of story that you're conveying. I'm pretty grateful to have you come on to the podcast now that you're out in the media so much at the moment. But for anyone out there from Farmerbase or even looking to subscribe to Exclusive Mediators Club, how can they do so? Head to the Our Cow website, ourcow.com.au, and you'll find everything you need to know there. You can look us up on social media. It's just ourcowau. Beautiful. I'll have all the details in the show notes so you can look up our cow. Go straight to the website and have a look and see maybe it's even for you. So, Yankit, David, thank you so much for coming on to the Farms Wise podcast and hopefully we can chat further down the line. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.